Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Dwelling. I'd like to say a special thank you to our sponsor, Home Trust Bank. Home Trust Bank, ready for what's next. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. My name is Amber Adams, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm joined by Rapid Rehousing Program Director Jerry Kivett Kimbrough. Jerry is a licensed clinical social worker and has been with Homeward Bound for three years. Also joining us is Housing Authority of the City of Asheville case manager, Amanda Thomas. Amanda is a certified alcohol and drug counselor and has been working with the homeless community in Buncombe County in some capacity for over 20 years. Together, we will be discussing an important topic, mental health and homelessness. As many of you might already know, May is nationally acknowledged as Mental Health Awareness Month. While mental health awareness has always been important, the stressors of the last year spent living in a COVID reality has brought the subject of mental health, and more specifically mental illness, to the forefront of our minds and media. The majority of folks throughout the COVID-19 crisis, and even before it, have had access to resources and support systems to help them directly deal with matters of mental health and mental illness. However, according to Amanda Thomas, who has been in the homeless service industries for over 20 years, mental health resources have not been as easily accessible for homeless individuals since the privatization of the mental health care system in the early 2000s. My name's Amanda Thomas, and I've been a part of Homeward Bound in some capacity since 99. And at that time, I was the homeless outreach representative for the area mental health agency. And so what I did at that time was I would try to look for folks who have mental health disorders and help them connect to our mental health services and then place them in housing through a program at that time called Shelter Plus Care. So I did that for four years until the state decided to dismantle mental health and privatize the system. That's when I decided to leave the mental health field and join Homeward Bound, which at that time was called Hospitality House. And I came on board as the assistant director of a Hope Day Center. The privatization of mental health care that Amanda is talking about comes from House Bill 381, which was ratified in October of 2001. The law required that local governments separate the management and delivery of mental health services. Prior to House Bill 381, local governments and agencies could directly contract with mental health care providers. However, after its implementation, local governments and service providers no longer directly controlled the provision of services, but instead were responsible for managing contracts with private providers. While there isn't any available data regarding the size of the homeless population in 2001 in Buncombe County that can be compared to today, Amanda says that the population of homeless individuals has grown since she first entered the industry. Our homeless population has grown exorbitantly. Back when I started, it was not visible, and the downtown Asheville was not revitalized and booming. And so those folks were more invisible. Those folks usually made up um, of folks who had mental health disorders, 
um, and uh, substance use disorders um, or a combination or were fleeing um, some kind of violence. The system is not designed for people who've been marginalized, people who are in poverty and have the circumstance of being unhoused. The system is optimized for people who have phones, who have transportation, and who have support systems. And my hope is that at some point, the mental health system um, is able to be the outreach again, like I was back in 99. Be the person seeking those who suffer in silence, you know. Amanda's experience is a testament to the evolution of the relationship between homelessness and mental health in the last two decades. However, there's a common misconception that mental illness is the direct or leading cause of homelessness. Jerry argues that this is simply not true. So I think a lot of times when people first think about homelessness and mental health, there kind of is an assumption that a lot of folks that are experiencing homelessness or all the people experiencing homelessness have a severe mental health condition and that's what's landed them in that experience and while that might be true some of the time that's not necessarily always the case for a lot of folks so the first thing that comes to mind for me is kind of clearing up that misconception or that myth about homelessness and that really how someone ends up experiencing homelessness is that they lack community, familial, other supports. Like many of us have a family member or a friend we can call when we're having a, a hard day or a stressful day. We've got folks that we can spend a night on their couch or can help us, you know, with that medical bill or other things like that. And people experiencing homelessness really lack that support system and our communities in general often lack a support system for those folks. And so that's how someone ends up experiencing homelessness is from a lack of support, not from, not necessarily from just a mental health condition. There's plenty of folks who are stably housed, who do have severe mental health or substance use things going on as well. So that lack of support piece is really what kind of leads to the experience of homelessness. And the other big thing with homelessness and mental health to me is that if someone does have a pre-existing mental health condition, the experience of homelessness is only gonna exacerbate that mental health condition. I've worked with folks who have a schizophrenia diagnosis, who have um, talked with me about their experience of homelessness and feeling like they can't sit on a park bench or walk around downtown or they really can't be anywhere without fear of an interaction with law enforcement that's going to land them in jail for the night or even just with another community member that's fearful of them and sees them as a menace. According to a study conducted by the Vera Institute of Justice, homeless individuals are 11 times more likely to get arrested than the average housed individual. Additionally, a separate study conducted in association with the U.S. Department of Justice in 2002 found that the rate at which homeless individuals reported indicators of mental illness was 15% higher than inmates who had been housed prior to their sentence. 
you know, if you're constantly trying to figure out where you can safely sleep for the night, where you can charge your phone, where you can eat next, that type of stress on our brains consistently, 24-7 a day, all day, every day, really is going to make someone who suffers from anxiety or depression even, not just schizophrenia or some of these like kind of larger mental health diagnoses that kind of get talked about with homelessness, even just someone who has PTSD or anxiety or depression. And I shouldn't say just those symptoms. I mean, those diagnoses can have really dramatic impact on your life if they're untreated for both unhoused and housed folks. And when you're experiencing homelessness, I think if you're already someone who has anxiety or depression, not having any stability and kind of having that chronic stress and that trauma on our brains all the time is just going to make those mental health symptoms more severe and a lot more difficult to manage. It's hard to manage your schizophrenia if you have to take a daily medication for that. If you're camping outside, oftentimes our clients say that they're you know, their camps get, um, people steal their purses, people steal their bags that have their medications in them, and then it's really hard to get those refilled. And so, and when you're just trying to figure out where you sleep for the night or where you're going to get your next meal, it's also hard just to remember to take those medications in general. And all that stress is just going to kind of push us to a place where we're not able to, to really manage those symptoms or care for our mental health. According to the Canadian Observatory on Homelessness, individuals who experience homelessness with mental illness are more likely to go for extended periods of time without contacting family, friends, and support systems. As you may imagine, this deteriorates and sometimes eliminates those relationships altogether. But is this lack of communication a choice by folks experiencing homelessness? Not necessarily. Amanda argues that trauma heavily influences an individual's decisions and mental health, including the trauma of being homeless. I believe, and I'll stand by this, that early childhood trauma is what has caused an individual's mental health issues. That and genetics and and current relationships. So I believe that fully. As a person gets older and they are dealing with their mental health issues, when there's a crisis, sometimes they learn to manage those crises by changing or altering their moods. And therefore, they start using substances to do that. Folks who uh, have early childhood trauma, that childhood trauma could be the loss of a parent or both parents, growing up in the foster care system, sexual abuse, physical, sexual, mental abuse, all of those things that a person survives have to be dealt with. And when the individual finds that they can't, they usually want to feel better. How do we feel better in this country? We feel better by taking an aspirin, taking um, cough syrup, or you know, taking the allergy pill. 
Well, we are told that from very young. So how, how do a lot of people learn to cope? They learn to cope by, hey, that drink is gonna make you feel better. That pill will make you feel better. Hey, that, that drug right there will make you feel better. And so we're pretty much told at a very young age, if you got this problem, take something and you'll feel better. And so therefore, if you have a mental health disorder, you're trying to manage your life, you'll wanna feel better, then you, you turn to substances to do that. Amanda's observations are backed by fact. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration, 30% of chronically homeless individuals suffer from mental health conditions, and 50% of those individuals suffer from co-occurring disorders, meaning mental illness and substance use disorders. However, given the relatively small percentage of folks who suffer from severe or co-occurring disorders, there still seems to be a stigma that most, if not all, homeless individuals are suffering from severe mental health disorders and delusions. Jerry suggests that this stigma may just be a reflection of how our society feels about homelessness. And for me, in my opinion, the reason that we have this myth that all people experiencing homelessness have severe mental health diagnoses or a severe substance use disorder is that it's a lot easier or more comfortable as a society to say, oh, well, these folks have landed in this situation because they're crazy or addicted to drugs or have these intense mental health symptoms or intense substance use disorders where it's sort of the specific internal things going on with that, that person that led them to that experience. It's a lot more uncomfortable, a lot more challenging, a lot harder for us as a society to acknowledge that maybe we don't have the social safety nets in place, that we have not funded or made it a priority for us to support our community members that are struggling the hardest and that there are systemic reasons why people are experiencing homelessness due to policies and programs that have been cut and reduced in funding over decades. I think looking at systems where that could really lead to any one of us experiencing homelessness and experiencing those other mental health symptoms, um, I think that's a lot scarier and a lot more uncomfortable of a truth to have to sit with then, oh, these folks just have these severe conditions, and so they've landed there, and that's, that's not our fault. That's not society's problem. I think if we all recognize that an experience of homelessness could really happen to any of us, and the reality is, you know, over 75% of people, or I think it's close to like two-thirds, over two-thirds of all American citizens, all United States citizens, will experience poverty in their lifetime. So I think it's also important to acknowledge that the vast majority of us are much closer to an experience of homelessness than we are to being the next Jeff Bezos or the next, um, you know, millionaire or billionaire. I think we're all could experience homelessness. And so I think that's just a lot harder to look in the face. But if we accept that to be true, 
it also helps us hit the ground running and start solving these issues because it benefits all of us. It benefits our whole community to look out for the folks in our community that are struggling the most. At Homeward Bound, we believe that housing is a basic human right and that all people are deserving of dignity and respect. We are continuing to provide services and solutions for our most at-risk neighbors, no matter what barriers or conditions they might face. If you would like to support us or learn more about how you can get involved, please visit us at www.homewardboundwnc.org today. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Home Trust Bank, and you, our listener, for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next month for a new episode, and if you haven't already, we encourage you to go back and listen to all of our previous episodes. Dwelling is now available on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher for your listening convenience. Thank you for joining us, and as always, remember to stay safe and to be kind to one another.